Skull to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, we're going to have a ceremony. No, no. Like. Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, welcome in another edition Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio. Of course, we are brought to you by SeatGeek and Blue Apron. If you're using the promo code RSB for SeatGeek, you'll get a $20 rebate on your first ticket purchase. Of course, it makes it easy for you to get tickets to any of your games. Uh, they do all the work for you, so you're just going to have to find the lowest deal they have for you, um, and it saves a lot of time. So use that promo code RSB, as well as, of course, Blue Apron. If you go to blueapron.com backslash Red Sox Beat, you get three free meals for free as well as free shipping uh so again go to that link now and, and give you those three first three meals of course you can find us on twitter at red Sox underscore beat facebook is red Sox beat podcast uh rate review and subscribe us on itunes as well as you're listening to on stitcher uh whether you're through twitter links whatever you are we're glad you're joining us this week um just thomas lauren kill myself full crew back what's going on everyone same old, same old, ready for another week, and <laughs> hopefully the Red Sox can hold on to this lead that they have on the Royals right now. Jared, I'm honored that you said my name first. You know, I like to change <laughs> things up, So, depending on the mood I mean, when when I talk to you, Jess, you know, it just depends. Um, I can never really be mad Jess at Lauren, mood. so it's really just a matter of how I feel about you. <laughs> All right, well, it sounds like I'm in good shape tonight, so. <laughs> you are, and you are. Happy to be in it. And we're going to enjoy Jess this week because he, he's going camping one last time before the summer really is over next week. So um, really enjoy Jess this week. Just take in everything he says and realize everything he says about Clay Buckles is just idiotic because we're going to talk about Clay Buckles tonight. Uh, <laughs> um, yes. We'll talk about Clay Buckles, of course. We'll talk about a lot. Uh, Justin Pedroia was just amazing. Um, a lot of things going on. Um, and there's one piece of news that we didn't touch on last week that I think we should. It's kind of a big deal, um, but we'll get to that a little later in the show. But first, like always, uh, Jess Thomas is going to get you caught up on the week uh, and get you caught up in how the Red Sox did um, over the last since our last show. All right. Well, it uh, started on Monday with a nice, fat four-game series against the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh. And it started off great on Monday. Uh, a 6-2 win over the Rays. David Price pitched very well uh eight innings two hits two walks eight strikeouts he was bailed out to give up no runs by andrew benintendi with a fantastic catch in the left field robin the ray steven Sousa jr of a two-run homer it's a great catch if you haven't seen it that's uh, a you should what steven Sousa jr yeah his whole name <laughs> yeah it, yeah if you haven't seen the replay check it out it was a great catch by benintendi um Xander Bogarts had a two-run homer in this game. It was 6 nothing going to the bottom of the ninth. Matt Barnes gave up a two-run homer to Evan Goria right at the end, but he didn't completely ruin David Price's game because we won 6-2. to two. Bogarts, two hits, two RBI, two runs, and a two-run homer, as I said. Um, this is just a good game, good way to start off the road trip. Blake Snell struggled, and David Price pitched as we hoped he would. Yeah, David Price, I think, guys, is slowly... 
earning his value back. <laughs> um, obviously, it was against the Rays, but I think the last few starts now, uh, we've, we've been talking about it for a few weeks, um, looks better. Uh, he's finally looking like an ace that we all know he can be. Um, so it's actually a good sign coming into these end of August, going into the final month of the season uh, to really push and hopefully with its vision. Yeah, it's definitely comforting to see him pitch, like you said, Jared, like an ace on the mound. He looks more comfortable, and the consistency is is getting better. He's going deeper into games, and he just something that we've been wanting from him all season, and it's hopefully with this playoff push coming up, we really need him to be this kind of pitcher. And even though he said, even though it was against the Rays, true, but he's pitched terribly against the Rays, so <laughs> that's a good a good sign that he finally actually pitched well against them. It's about time. So that was a good start start to the series. It, the series continued on Tuesday when the other ace, Clay Buckholt. <laughs> sorry, I had to. Stop it. Well, he pitched this game, and he did pitch like an ace. He went six and a third, five hits, one run, two walks, and nine strikeouts. Only threw 94 pitches in six and a third innings. Another good start. That was three in a row, plus five good bullpen appearances, which is good for less than a two ERA in those eight appearances, which is all and more you can ask for, especially with how he's pitched this year. So he pitched great. The offense gave got up just enough against Chris Archer in this game. It's a 2-1 win, 2-1 final. Both runs were in the third inning for the Sox. David Ortiz, RBI single. Mookie Betts, RBI single. Uh, and that's all he needed, just the one run for against Buckholtz. Um, Archer pitched better than he basically ever has against the Sox because he's been terrible against this, this year and pretty much his whole career. He's now 7-17 and this year. Buckholtz got the win. He's 5-9. and nine. The bullpen was solid. Ross Jr., Ziegler, Kimbrell, all with scoreless, scoreless appearances, um, combining for two and two-thirds innings between the three of them. Um, yeah, I mean, not much to say in this game. Not much offense, just Clay Buckholtz. Yeah, just Clay Buckholtz. <laughs> awful. Um, there wasn't a lot of offense. Obviously, the Red Sox didn't win this game. It wasn't Clay Buckholtz's fault by any means. Um, but I think it's just it's just hard for me to admit that he did well. But he did. Um, he pitched well, I think. But I think um, him doing well these last couple of games, especially this one too, um, it's more of just a scenario where he had some pressure taken off him. I think that earlier in the year, we'll, I mean, we'll get into Clay Buckle a little bit more, but I think earlier in the year when he didn't get put on the DL with a phantom stint because he admitted he wasn't hurt, um, really helped him because it took the training wheels off and kind of didn't let the Red Sox coddle him. Yeah, and it's actually, it's funny that you say not a lot of offense in a game where Clay Buckles pitched because he's been, you know, known to give up runs and a lot of runs, and we, and, we, and we can't seem to score when he's on the mound, so it was nice that even though we still couldn't score when he was on the mound, he could come through and get a, another solid outing and really just bail us out when we need a, that starting pitcher because it's such a void in our in our rotation, he came in and just filled it and filled it for another solid start in a row. So, Jared, I know you don't like to hear, it, but me and Jess love it. So, <laughs> yeah, to to win a two to one game with Buckholtz on the mound, you never thought you'd hear that earlier in the season. So, even anyone was, on the mound, because was... it's not like they've been winning close games all year, even without him on the mound. So, it's, it was a nice sight to see, just to be, at least being close games, and they've been doing well um, in close games. So, it was nice to at least see them in a close game, especially with Clay Buckholtz pitching. Yeah, so two wins to start the series, which was fantastic. Unfortunately, the last two games of the series weren't as good as the beginning of the series. Um, really close series, I mean, overall, with 
the two to one win on Tuesday, and then both of these last two games were one run losses. We'll start with Wednesday, the first loss of the series. This one was in eleven innings. Um, this game was ridiculous in many ways, um, mostly because of the end. But first of all, David Ortiz at his thirtieth home run of the season, which made him the oldest player ever to hit 30 home runs in a season, passing Ted Williams. So before I finish with this game, let's hear it for Ortiz. Woo! Yeah, David. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so great to see him just continuing to have such a monster season. I know we have something to say about him every week, but, I mean, this is just another record, another milestone that he's going to add to his book and to this amazing season. And I don't, I'll say it every single week, I really don't want him to retire. Do you guys think that David Ortiz has a is is in the running for MVP or are Mookie Betts and Altuve kind of running away with the option there? No, I think he's still very much, very much at it. His numbers haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, no doubt. I think it's going to be an interesting last month, month and a half, and then especially for that MVP race, I think it's going to be very interesting to watch and see how David Ortiz continues to produce and even Altuve and, and Betts too. As much as Betts may deserve it, the fact that Ortiz is still doing it and his numbers are still as incredible as they are and another 30-100 season and average way, way above 300, up at 320 right now, and how many, 41 doubles, everything he has, it's, I'm sorry, he's right in it. And to be that close to it in your final season at 40 years old, especially after having the career he's had, doing this in your last year when you've never won a regular season MVP, that would just be the most magical thing if he actually won it. It would be great, be honestly. Honestly, I'm rooting for it. I still want it to too. happen. And it's it's funny to think, you know, he has 41 doubles, and he's a guy who doesn't run very well. And I I still think I think 41 doubles is, is a lot for somebody like him, who's not very a very strong base runner, and he That's still put, he's got some triples too. Like he's just doing it all this season. <laughs> he's they said on the radio tonight if he could actually run, he'd probably have like 55 doubles right now. Oh, that's crazy. That's insane. <laughs> what's what's the most didn't didn't I hear somewhere the most for a single season is sixty three, I think? Like yeah. in the history of the league? Yeah. I, yeah, he's I think come close to that. Yeah. He's not gonna be far from that. And if he could run, he probably would have the record in his final season. It's crazy. Oh, it would be just so it would be so so perfect if he won MVP. I really hope I don't you know, even if maybe Altuve's numbers are a little more crazy or whatever, I don't care. Get it's the guy's last season. I, I'm sorry, you got to look at that too. With the season he's had, this is not even close, 100%, not even a contest, the best season that anyone's ever had in their final season. There's no no question about that. I don't care. I mean, you're probably right. It's just a matter of... Doesn't, no, I am I mean, right. Well, you're probably right. There's no, there's no way in hell that anyone has had this good of a season in their last season. There's yeah, but does that no mean... No way. The biggest thing is, and I agree with you in the sense of he deserves it, but does that mean that because it's the best final season someone's had, it's the best season if one worthy of the MVP? And that's the argument of where that comes in. I think it's worthy, obviously, and we want him to win, but like, who, who's, yeah, not to say that, who's not to say that Mookie Betts should have it over David Ortiz or Haltuve? You know, it's just, it's going to be a tight race all the way through. It's going to be intriguing to see how all three of those guys play down the stretch, especially for Houston, who isn't really a good team. If it wasn't for Altuve, that team would be down the dumps. Well, if it's if it is super close at the end, it's like literally like could you go either way? Why wouldn't you give it to the guy who's retiring? who's had an incredible career, you know. If it's that close, that's true. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm with, I'm with Jess on this one. I think if you know numbers are close and if numbers are there, and Ortiz continues to do what he's doing, I don't see I don't see why he wouldn't get it. And nothing, not taking away from Altuve and Betts, but no, they're young. They still have plenty of years ahead of them to get an MVP season. Right. And Ortiz doesn't. Obviously. Exactly. <laughs> he's got to see it about a month, what a month, six weeks left, something like that. Right. Every <laughs> NFL two they goes on a tear and hits like 400 for the season, like raises his average like 35, 40 more points. Gets the Astros in the playoffs. We don't make the playoffs. All right, then we can then we can have a discussion about it. But if it's anywhere close, I'm sorry. Especially especially if we're better than them, that's a big difference too. So I really hope we make the playoffs and they don't. <laughs> Very passionate about this, guys. You are you you are. <laughs> yeah. That that's okay. Oh, good. Altuve's down to 355. He's dropping. Yes, he's down to three fifty-five. Like, Think how dumb, dumb that sounds. Yeah, but all right. Ortiz is first in OPS one point zero three seven. No one else is above the thousand mark. Slugging, he's first six twenty-nine. On uh, base percentage, he's sixth. Average, he's ninth. Doubles, first. <laughs> Home runs. Uh, hey, I never, I never said that he didn't deserve it. Home runs I'm saying there's a case for the other guys as well. RBI, fourth. I mean, his numbers so do the top, talking. He's top ten in like the major categories. Almost every category, right. <laughs> so, what do you want? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I want an MVP award. Yeah, me too. Let's go. All right, so enough of that, but that's where <laughs> I stand. <laughs> um, continue with the recap. Sorry for the, uh, the little side thing there, but I felt the need, so I really felt the need. So, in this game, um, he hit his two-run homer, got his 30th. Uh, Stocks were up 3-0 on Betts' RBI single. Unfortunately, a 3-2 lead took us all the way to the 8th inning when Evan Longoria hit a home run in the 8th inning off Rick Porcello. He was dealing before that. He'd gotten through 7 and 2 thirds, 8 strikeouts, and unfortunately, just one bad pitch in his final inning. He'd thrown like 115 pitches at that point. Threw a ton of pitches for the game. Um, and I guess they left him in just a little bit too long. He up the home run, went into extra innings. We went all the way to the 11th inning. Heath Hembry was on, and the uh, Kevin Kiermeyer had a, had a ground ball to first base, and the throw went to Hembry. It was right in his glove, and he just completely dropped the ball because of Kiermeyer's speed. He was safe. Hembry threw home to get Luke Maley out. And he was going to be out, too. The throw was there in time also. And Sandy Leone dropped the ball. So two drop balls in the 11th inning of a game you were up 3-2 to two in the 8th inning. This was a tough loss. We really could have used this one. I would say probably deserved to win. The, the Red Sox did play better. And it was a frustrating loss, especially a... Oh, I hate the one-run losses more than anything, especially in a game like this. It's just it's frustrating. And when you think that... Or when you know, when you watch the game, they... Red Sox played better overall, and we lose like that to a team like Tampa Bay. It's just a tough one to swallow. Yeah, it's tough, and obviously we're used to them losing close games. It's just the way they lost this game. Um, it wasn't like it was a hard-fought game. They just couldn't come back or anything like that. Like It's just ugly baseball to lose on. And we've been playing so well uh, up, up to this game, too, also, and just to lose on an error. And this was the third game this season the Red Sox have lost on an error. That is terrible. Oh, that's that that's so bad. For as yeah, good of a so team bad. as this, 
for good of the team as this team is, they've had some very strange losses. <laughs> I thought we were past this crap, though. Like, obviously, the the weird things happen in baseball, but like this is beyond weird. This is an error that could have been avoided. I know to have two drop balls on balls that normally. I mean, the one at home play that's a toss up because you know those happen sometimes. They don't happen sometimes, but that's true. most of the time when a guy hits it to first and the pitcher runs over and catches the ball, tags first. You know, that happens probably ninety five out of hundred times. <laughs> It's true. It, it's just, I don't know, it's just frustrating to see a team playing so well to lose like that. I know. Especially against bad teams that you want to beat. So, brings us into Thursday. Last game against the Rays, looking for a three out of four, as I predicted. Um, and it didn't happen, unfortunately, and it really should have. Because once again, I feel like Pomerantz pitched better than Odorizzi. Pomerantz had 11 strikeouts in this game. Odorizzi only had four. Uh, six innings, two uh, two runs, seven hits, one walk, 11 Ks for Pomerantz, career high. Odorizzi pitched seven innings, five hits, one run, three walks, four strikeouts. They both pitched great. Unfortunately, Pomerantz just gave up a run right at the end of his outing in the seventh inning. And to Mikey Matuk, who was over for his last 34 when he hit it, that was frustrating. Two to one, final. The Sox just couldn't get a run in the last couple of innings. This was such a pitcher's duel. Um, Pedroia had three hits out of the seven for the Sox, seven for the Rays also. Pedroia was the offensive MVP of this game, but oh, it's just we were in control the whole time. I mean, Lauren would know well. She she recapped the game. It was just just a couple hits, and we just couldn't get any offense going. Oh, it was horrible. And you know, it's like I I recapped the game, and it was just like in a. I think I think I said it was my shortest recap ever, just because nothing happened. And except, you know, Pomeranz obviously with the 11 strikeouts, but it's like, yeah. I can only say a strikeout every other line for so long. And another, another tough one. I was like, oh, like 11 strikeouts. And it just feels like it goes to waste. <laughs> uh, but hey, I will say, though, at least um, Pomeranz is looking good. If you want to have take a high note from this game, I know. Um, great. Yeah. Obviously, Odorizzi pitched well, and that's kind of reason why you lost. It was a pitcher's duel. You don't win those all those games. Um, but Pomerantz looked really good, and I think, and I know we're going to touch on him later, but he's really coming in, into his own here. I think he's getting used to pitching in Boston. I think he's going to be solid for you as a fourth starter, maybe a third starter, depending on what happens in September, um, come, come the playoffs if they do make it. When they yeah. make it. Well, yeah, when they make it. Big if. <laughs> They've been in last too many times. Big if. I'm just going to say if until it's there. Well, Pomerantz has pitched great, and he's definitely settled in. So this was tough. I mean, Split the series. Lauren got that right once again. Um, but it was just, yes, yeah, easily could have been a sweep. Easily could have been three out of four. It's always tough when you lose these games. Two one-run games on a road series. Yep. You know, so hot beforehand. It's just, oh, it's tough. But, you know, it happens. You get one-run wins, you get one-run losses. Uh, brought us into Friday against Kansas City. And on top of the two losses already, this one was a tough one because it was another loss. 6-3 to the Royals. Uh, the Royals were in control of this entire game because Stephen Wright came back off the DL. He gave up five runs in the first inning. It's too bad because clearly it was just rust because he pitched the next five innings and it was totally fine. He didn't give up any more runs. He was on his game. So it's a shame that this happened because it was all in the first inning. Two home runs in the first inning. Eric Hosmer, three-run job. Alex Gordon, two-run job. And, you know, before you even come up to bat, you're down 5 nothing. And the fact that he pitched well afterwards just made it even worse because the offense stranded so many base runners he had three <laughs> runs on 15 hits dustin bedroy was four for four mookie betts was five for five xander bogarts was three for five 
and we got three runs. Yeah, this, this was, was a, such a winnable game, but we were never in control because we were down so much early and just couldn't score. This was a game where it's like you set, have everything set up for a good comeback, a solid win. You steal a game um, against a really good team, and you leave that many people on base with two guys going nine for nine combined. Like it's just crazy how this happened. Um, like you said, though, Jess. KC was in command the entire game. They were in control, and they shut down the Red Sox when they when they needed to the most. So obviously give them credit, but um, I think the Red Sox, as much as they were down a lot of this game, they really let this one slip away. Yeah, they did, and it it slipped away early with you know Wright giving up five runs in the first, and it was just an ugly start for him and uh, ugly loss. And ugh, I don't even want to talk about it. It's frustrating as the two games against Tampa Bay were. This one was the worst because, like you said, Jared, you got two players going nine for nine. You get fifteen hits, and you and you're down six to two in the ninth inning. Like, come on, that's that's more frustrating than anything. You can't say you lose that many of those kind of games when you have two guys combined nine for nine with the team having fifteen hits, and you still lose by three runs. Right, six more hits than they did. Come on, oh, it was maddening, especially after losing those two games. Just that cherry on top. I was like, man, you gotta be kidding me awful that was that was my thought process when it happened <laughs> fortunately guys after a three game losing streak and a bad stretch saturday's game was awesome eight three win over kansas city um three home runs one for bogars one for Betts, one for hanley ramirez and obviously the story of this game and this will that's this will definitely lead into uh the beginning of our segment here, uh, Dustin Pedroia was four for five again, and before his out in the ninth inning, he had hit in eleven straight at bats. He reached base twelve straight times, and he was eleven for his last eleven. That's nuts. Yeah, it's and I, we'll definitely talk about more because I think the reason why he, I think the reason why he lost it was he found out about it. But it's kind of funny how we found out about it. But we'll talk about that in a second. Um, yes, the fact that and I obviously want to talk about Pedroia, but. Betts and Hanley Ramirez went back-to-back for their homers, and the Red Sox were a couple feet from going back-to-back-to-back because David Ortiz um, put a ball as far as he possibly could without it going over the fence in this game right before Betts hit his. Um, So they were all over this team in that inning, and it could have easily been back-to-back-to-back. Yeah, they they could have, and uh, Danny Duffy was one of the best was pitching one of the best in the league at this point. He's 11 and 1 with a 2.66 ERA and the Sox got nine hits and seven runs off the guy. So if that doesn't tell you tell you what you need to know, nothing does because the offense was just happening in this game, homers everywhere, hits everywhere. And unlike Friday, the hits actually turned to runs. Yeah, no, it's it's complete opposite of what you expected. You had the hits in this game, and you actually produced. Whereas, like you said, Friday, we we're begging for a couple of these more runs to kind of cross the plate, um, and it just didn't it didn't work out, which is really annoying. But this game, obviously, on Saturday, um, they kind of made up for Friday for sure. Yeah, and that was it was nice to come back with a win after those two losses, and it was nice to the offense and just. Solid, just good, solid game. I enjoyed that game. So, of course, all right. So they're playing right now. So we're not have don't have the final for that yet. Unfortunately, the Sox are now down six to four. They've gotten four runs in the sixth inning at this point. Uh, Raul Mondesi just got a three RBI triple. So things are not going so well at the moment. But at the moment, three and three this week. Um, Lauren got the race series right. 
if the Sox win this game, she'll get the week completely right for the second straight week. If they don't win, me and Jared will get this series right, but we didn't get the other series right. So we're all right around the mark once again, as we usually are because we're good at predicting. Um, but your MVP this week is obviously, I don't even care. I didn't look at anybody else in the team because nobody's beaten this. Dust Madroya, and especially since he's not playing tonight because of a family issue, his final stats for the week were 15 for 25 for a 600 average, five runs, three RBI, and obviously 11 straight hits, which is one short of tying MLB record. I don't care what anyone else did. I know Bogart's had a good week, but no one's beaten that. No, they're not. No. I think it's just this week panned out in the sense of um, if it wasn't for Dustin Pedroia, a lot of other guys could have done MVP for us this week, but their hands down had to be Pedroia. Yeah, I mean, just as soon as you said 15 for 25, 600 average, it's like, oh, okay, well, that's all I need to know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's beating a 600 average. That's that's pretty hard to do because, you know, nobody gets 11 straight hits because that's kind of hard to do also. <laughs> yeah, no, it um, it's tough to do. Obviously, Dustin Majora, very um, deserving of the MVP for sure. Um, there's your recap for the week, uh, of course, lovely to always always from Jess Thomas um sadly you will not get that recap next week because he's not here and if I try to do it it just doesn't work out too well so you know what though you are pretty good at it I've been impressed a couple times you've done it we'll just get a general recap we don't do too in detail we just kind of talk about everything but um I pre- I'm impressed that you complimented me I'll go I'll take that <laughs> I know that's a rare thing so you should really enjoy that <laughs> I will take it to heart we have it on recording so we know what happened um but, of course, uh, his recap was brought to you by SeatGeek. And, of course, don't forget to use the promo code uh, RSB when you want to get your $20 off your first ticket purchase. I'll uh, get you a $20 rebate when you use that RSB code. Um, guys, big talk of this week has to be have to start with Dustin Pedroia in terms of news around the team and just talk talking points. Um, and I wanted to touch on this because obviously going into that at bat, um, he was 11 for 11 going for 12 for 12. And I'm sure you two heard about this, but I know that some people might not have not heard about this. He found out about the streak when he went to pee before he took his next at bat. So he had no idea he was 11 for 11 and was going for the streak. He went down to pee before he was to hit and then heard it on the radio because they play the radio like in the clubhouse and things like that. And then he went to hit and took first pitch swing and grounded out. Which he rarely does. Which he rarely does. <laughs> so, which is funny. Yeah, he probably he, didn't want the pressure of it. Yeah, so you know he had no idea. Um, and he, that's what he claimed after the game was that he found out when he went to the bathroom before the game, before the inning was started. That's funny. I love finding out how players realize like or find out something about themselves or their team. So to hear that, it's kind of, I mean, it sucks that his streak ended after that, but it, I, I like how they find out about these things. Yeah, that's a great little story. I actually saw that. Yeah, I saw when you retweeted that, Jared, so I <laughs> found out from you on that. <laughs> I figured you great too. Great story. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, you, you wrote the news to me, so thank you. You're um, Yeah, that was that was hilarious, but you know, those, those streaks do put pressure on you, and you would have thought that you'd think he was pretty close to it, because he's probably aware that he's hitting the absolute crap out of the ball right now, so... I don't know if I believe him. I believe him that he doesn't know exactly what's happening, but he knows how hot he was, that's for sure. And uh, are you guys ready for me to go on my 25-minute rant about him? <laughs> you, 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 by all means, because you know what I'm going to say. So, I don't. What are you going to say? That he was awesome, and there's nothing to complain oh. about. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, I'll go in more depth. This guy is so good. I don't. Every all these years, he's been hurt, and clearly his 
his numbers have gone down because he's been hurt. But everyone doubted him. Oh, he's, oh, he's 33 years old. Blah, 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 blah. He's not good anymore. His MVP season was lucky. His rookie of the year was lucky. He's not that good. Blah, blah, blah. You're all fools, you know, because this guy is so hot. He hits the crap out of the ball. He's hitting all line drives. Such solid hits. His outs are solidly hit. He's so locked in right now. And they're missing him right now in this game that's happening currently because he's not playing. And this he's hotter than the sun right now. He's Nothing he's doing is weak. Everything, strong hits, great defensive plays, so many singles, big hits. This guy is on absolute fire. And anybody who doubted him should really look in the mirror and consider their life because... Everyone, how could wow. you not know that this guy was going to absolutely destroy the ball this year? Because he's healthy, he feels good, I don't care how old he is, this guy's in good shape, and we knew he could do this. So I, I'm really putting a lot of shame on all these people who doubted him, because this guy is freaking awesome. Done. And rant. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, honestly, Jess, you're right. Like, there are a lot of people coming into this year, and a lot of people the last few years. Obviously, we know he hasn't been healthy the last couple of years, but a lot of people kind of put blinders on when it comes to that stuff and just go, oh, yeah, like, He's not good anymore. Like, let's trade him. And don't get me wrong. I, I was all for trading him if you got something really good for him um, because I knew you had Moncada on his way up and things like that. But um, I'm happy they obviously didn't, and I didn't think they really were going to do that. It was just an idea. Um, this guy has been killing it this year. I think it really has shown that he's healthy, um, that his hand is no longer a problem. He's no longer has to sit, go up to the plate and worry about those kind of things. Um, he can now go to the plate comfortable, ready to go. He's locked in. Um, obviously, being away from the team for family reasons, we wish him nothing but the best in terms of mourning. I think it was his father-in-law. Um, but it's still amazing what he's doing, and obviously we want to get him back as soon as we can uh, because he's going to be key to this team moving forward, being able to succeed the way they have. Especially, Jess, I know you said something about people doubting him because of his age and the inability to stay healthy the last few seasons, so it's nice to see him just kind of go off and have a season like this. And It's funny, you know, 33 doesn't really seem that old, and I know that he's had health problems in the past, like staying healthy, getting injured, but and this is just obvious, a clear, obvious sign that he's healthy, and when he's healthy, he's just a powerhouse. Which is funny because he, how hard he plays and how long he's played that hard. I mean, maybe the injuries have extended his career that he'll be able to play longer, but the fact that he plays that hard and he's still playing this well is just awesome in the first place. And honestly, if anyone has learned anything about this guy in the last 10 years, you'd think it would be that you probably shouldn't doubt him because pretty much everything he says is true. Have you? I mean, right? The Everything he says pretty much happens. He's pretty smart. He is smart, and I love the way he plays the game. I love the way he just really kind of carries his team on his back. And, like, how can you not just like how he is as a player? Like, everybody wants that kind of player on their team. And he's a really interesting mix, too, of, like, quiet and loud. Like, we know he's loud in the clubhouse. We know he's annoying. We know he gets in everyone. We know what kind of leader he is in that way. But then when you see him on the field, like, doing this stuff, he's getting completely overshadowed this year. He's totally fine with it. He says what he needs to say, like, a post-game interview. Yeah, I'm just trying to give my team a chance to win the game. You know, put in a good at bad. I don't care about the streaks, the stats, whatever. I just go out there and play. Like, so he's, he's a really interesting mix of, like, in-your-face and cocky and loud. And then at the same time, like, completely in the background and, like, just a complete team player and someone mm-hmm. you don't even notice. 
He can right. turn it on both ways. He's a hardo when he needs to be. Um, and he can get in your face and he can be that dirt dog that we love. Um, but like you said, he can also be that behind-the-scenes team guy like Bogarts is all the time. Um, he can do that when he wants to as well. So that's why, And that's why he's done so well here for so long because someone who is a hardo all the time isn't necessarily good in Boston, but someone who is really quiet all the time isn't necessarily always good in Boston either. But when you can turn it on and off like that, um, that's why fans love him here and that's why he's done so well here because of that factor. Which is why we need to play him as long as he's able to play, because whatever Yohan Moncada is going to be, and I don't doubt that he won't be a really good player, he very well may be, but there's not a lot of guys ever like Pedroia, so we need to soak this guy for all he's worth, because there's probably a pretty good chance that Moncada is not going to be what he is. No, but you can always play Moncada third. That's what they clearly want him to do. Oh, fine. If they do that, I don't give a crap. Just don't replace Pedroia with well, him no. or I'm going to throw they won't, a fit. Pedroia will not be off the spot until he either retires or he's too old to move. Um, whatever comes first. So you've seen Moncada being placed at third base and doing all that. I think you're going to see him come September call-ups, and I think that he is going to be your third baseman maybe even next year. I'm okay with that. Yeah, with the way Shaw's playing recently, it might be... And it's too bad. Shaw played so well, and he unseated Sandoval, and it's just his average is just not there right now. But also, Sandoval's in the picture still. I don't know if they're going to be able to get rid of him. So he's on the team next year, guys. So we have to remember that as well. And right. obviously, we won't really need to dive into him until the time comes in the offseason. But pictures have surfaced recently of him who clearly has lost weight and is leaning up and claims he learned from his mistakes. So, I mean, maybe this time off has helped Pavel Sandoval, and he's going to come back to what he should be. So he's a huge factor in this offseason, whether they want to give him a second chance or not. Um, with this situation coming next year, or they try to find someone to take him. That remains to be seen, and that's obviously something that we can talk more about come off-season when there's nothing else to talk about, but um, that's a picture kind of that we have to paint as well. Well, yeah, because if he is, like, say, like a Hanley Ramirez year, I mean, I think people would be really happy if Pablo played the way that Hanley's played this year coming off bad last year. Oh, for sure. Um, so it's definitely something to keep an eye on, but one thing that we have been keeping an eye on um, is Clay Buckles because as much as I hate to say it, he's pitched really well. He's hit the last couple starts that he had to give back in the rotation. Obviously, he's back in the bullpen now. Um, we know he pitched well. We we know that. We, this is the time of year where he typically does this, where he likes to kind of give us all false hope. Um, so I'm still not one to sit here and say, oh, let's sign him for five more years. He's back to being Clay Buckles from the no-hitter year. Like, no, stop it. That's not good enough. But is it was it the right move when he's been pitching this well to put him back in the bullpen? No. no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, I disagree with you, obviously. Um, but I think that the reasoning is, it makes sense for me. Um, I actually agree with John Farrell on the move he made. Um, because you need something decent in that bullpen. Um, you need a guy who, if something goes wrong with these starters, that you can trust. You're not going to put Eduardo Rodriguez in the bullpen. Stephen Wright would not be good out of the bullpen. Clay Buckles has proven that he's okay okay out of the bullpen enough to not worry about handing him the ball. John Farrell gave him the ball in the eighth inning over Ziegler um, the other night, and that was ridiculous in itself, but he did well. He's been doing well out of the bullpen, and I think going to the bullpen has really helped him keep things simple, take games inning by inning, because in the bullpen, that's all you have. Um, so I think that's why he pitched so well in the starts, but right now you have a rotation and just Clay Buckles doesn't fit in it. Um, and out of everyone that's available as a starting pitcher, he makes the most sense in the bullpen. 
Well, I may agree with you until tonight when we saw Roy Rodriguez completely stink up the joint. So <laughs> now that he's back from another injury and back to pitching terribly like he did after the last injury, clearly the guy can't seem to get it together after he gets injured. And Clay seems a little more consistent at this point than Erod, and Erod seems to have a little trouble getting his head on straight. So, um, yeah, I don't want him in the bullpen either. So, yeah, let's drop Erod to Pawtucket and start Clay. Yay. Well, there's also not more Pawtucket in like a week, so have to remember that. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, you also sit him down. You can sit for a month. The thing is, you need stability, and I hate to put stability and Clay Buckles in the same sentence. But you need stability in the bullpen, and it rather you you don't. Have, we're also going to add hard from the arms from at this point. You need someone out there who can eat up a couple innings here and there, um, and really has the longevity of a starter in case something goes wrong. If Clay Buckle starts and sucks, you have no options. You have nothing. Um, at least having Buckles in the bullpen, you have someone who can back up, say, this kind of start from Rodriguez, um, if Stephen Wright has issues when it gets rainy or if it's still hot out, like, you need somebody back there who can pitch a few innings. I'd rather put Clay Buckles in for four innings than Matt, try to rely on Matt Barnes for four innings. Yeah, they tried to rely on Matt Barnes tonight. and <laughs> <laughs> Not good. But, I mean, I can definitely see both your points. Obviously, I would prefer Buckles on the mound as a starter right now especially after watching this game currently right now. And to have the stability that Buckles has shown the last few starts and the consistency, that's the biggest thing. Erod hasn't been consistent. And like you said, Jess, coming off an injury, he can't seem to get it together. And I don't think he has any confidence in himself after an injury, whether that's him not being 100% or him not trusting whatever may be injured. And I know a hamstring, it hurts even if, whether you pull it, whether you tweak it, it, it hurts. And it may hurt for a week, two weeks, a month. And it's hard to to earn, like kind of like your knee. It's when, you, when you don't trust something in your leg, it's really hard to be mentally prepared to go out there and do what you're supposed to do. But so if clearly not, shouldn't be pitching. Right, exactly. Right. So <laughs> if, if you feel that way, you shouldn't be out there. And it's that this could have been a game where Buckles could – could have pitched and could have gone, I mean, it could have gone the same way it's going now. It could have gone tremendously better. We, we won't know, but just with the consistency Buckles has shown, I would want him on the mound over Erod or, and it's nice to have that backup. Like you said, if the weather gets bad for right, or one of our starters just kind of implodes kind of like tonight, it's nice to have Buckles in the bullpen for that. But I'd rather have him go eight innings than go three innings. There was this is just music. This is music to my ears to just hear us talk about stability and consistently <laughs> consistency and clay buckle. It's all in the same sentence. You don't know how happy this is making me. <laughs> I can hear the smile in your voice. Yeah, yes. you're like smile. I can hear you smiling. That's how happy I know you are right now. Um, I am. It's like gold. Guys, I, I, I heard something over the last week. So this isn't an original question, but I was curious to see what you guys thought about this. Um, I've heard a lot of people bring up the fact that Eduardo Rodriguez might just be the new Clay Buckholz in terms of a mental case who isn't really doesn't really have a pair in between his legs um, and <laughs> mentally can't do it. Um, and it kind of makes sense when you think about it. Like, Eduardo Rodriguez tells somebody last minute that he doesn't feel okay to pitch, and it was something that was kind of minor. And, um, like, things like that, he mentally checks out. He's not mentally tough. It makes sense, but do you guys see it at all? 
Yeah, I mean, kind of. He he seems kind of fragile, and he seems to. Yeah, it's it's weird how he has no confidence in himself after coming back from an injury because you think most guys they stay out until they're confident in themselves. Then they come back and they just pitch through it because they're professional athletes and they realize, okay, I'm back now. So if I am pitching, I need to pitch because yep. I'm pitching. That's what I'm doing. And he just for some reason he he just looks really weird every time he comes back from an injury. And I mean, he really he really picked it up and turned it around the last time. And then he got hurt again. And and the thing is, I saw something again. After you guys probably saw this too, after he came out a couple of days after his hamstring injury, and he came out after the no hitter of four innings. He they said that he was experiencing it beforehand. He waited too long to tell the staff, and he's going to learn from his mistake. So it's another thing where it's like, oh, he was immature. He wasn't smart. He isn't taking his care of his body, and he should have said that before. That seems like it's happening too much, and all these injuries and question marks are happening too much. Maybe he's just super immature. I don't know. It's kind of weird. What? If it, yeah, they can call it immature, and I can. Didn't Joe Kelly not say anything about his shoulder? Yep, he did the same last thing. Last time he, got, yep. he went out, and he's like, "Yeah, I was experiencing pain beforehand, but I never said anything." But and it's Joe like, Kelly's stupid. pretty soft, isn't he? Joe Kelly's a pretty soft dude in, in the head. He's super, super soft. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it just blows my mind. Where it's like, no matter what kind of discomfort you're feeling, that doesn't automatically mean the John Farrell will be like, "All right, you're out. You're not starting tonight." Like he. Whoever you are going to tell, like it could be a serious injury, and it just drives me insane. Where it's like they're not complaining of, oh, like I have a hangnail, it hurts. Like these are legitimate injuries where it's costing us games, it's it's costing us players, and it's like how hard is it just to be like, ow, something isn't right. Especially if you're thinking about who we're talking about, they have the greatest staff, trainers healers, everything. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? We're in Boston. It's in a professional sporting team. What the heck more do you want? You go there, you take care of the injury. If you say, if you talk about it before it's bad, then you get it fixed, and then it's not bad afterwards, as opposed Amazing to sitting there works. waiting, not t- saying about it, getting hurt, coming out of the game, going on the DL. Just take care of it before it happened. We're in freaking Boston. Come on. Especially, you have like, the... Boston shoulder and like these guys specialize in shoulders and knees and it's like why aren't you just taking advantage of it like these guys are gurus and you have like you have the most like unlimited access to you said just the staff the trainers the hospitals we have here it's like it blows my mind that and especially if you have an injury to your arm or your leg something that a pitcher especially needs both of those and you wouldn't say anything and you would just be like oh I can fight through it like I know these guys know their body apparently maybe they some don't know their bodies but I know not some the soft ones not the soft ones they know what they can <laughs> handle they know like what they know the difference between like oh it's just sore or I just need to stretch more or this could be this could turn into something serious I feel like they should really know it at at this point either in their careers or just ever I mean if I don't feel well enough to do something i'm not gonna try to do it if it's gonna push myself over the limit i'm not gonna go out there and try to squat 200 pounds when i know i can't but be like nah, i know my body it's really dumb to see um eduardo rodriguez do that kind of stuff because he's prized as this guy who's supposed to be good he's supposed to be a stud that's why we trade andrew miller for the guy and then mentally like don't you think the red sox would have any clue that he was mentally like this because there had to be some signs of this. He's not like this guy overnight just becomes mentally weak in the next Claybach holes. Yeah, it does make you question what what they did know about him. But it's 
Yeah, and it's I see it from his side. Like, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to be seen as weak. I don't want to be seen as injury-prone and stuff. But then it just happens, and then you look worse after it, and then you're injury-prone anyway. What difference okay, does it make? You've learned this lesson from high school sports on. Tell your coach you're hurt because if you don't because you want to play, you're going to keep getting hurt, and it's going to make it ten times worse. We've all learned that from day one playing sports. When we were little, through high school, um, I know I had the same athletic trainer for four years, and he told us every year, if you're hurt, tell us because if you don't you're going to make it worse and then you'll be out for a year if not longer like it's just that's that thing you learn when you're younger that he just clearly didn't ever learn yep and same thing i remember i played softball my whole life and in eighth grade i got hit with a pitch and it broke my ankle in three different three different places but when i initially got hit i just walked it off and i was like no i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine and then it took me like two weeks for my mom to be like something's wrong and i'm like yep everything's wrong can't do it anymore (laughs) everything's wrong everything is wrong with my ankle everything everything was absolutely wrong but you know being in eighth grade i was 13 14 years old but i mean i should have said something and i played the rest of the season and i should have said you know some my ankle hurts or like i guess i I was i wasn't pitching well same thing i was running slow i wasn't stealing as much as i did because my ankle was broken yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I had an ankle injury, too, and I ended up having surgery because I broke it, and they told me it was sprained, so I walked on it. I said, you know what? This doesn't feel too good because, you know, humans have intuition <laughs> of like, oh, yeah, this hurts. This doesn't feel right. This isn't right. I knew it wasn't right, so I got it fixed. So, it's, yeah, it's just in general, these guys want to be seen as tough guys. Oh, I got drilled with a 97-mile-per-hour pitch. I'm a tough guy. I'm going to stay in that game. Or you could leave, get it fixed, go to the best trainers in the world, come back and be fine the next day. And speaking of injuries, good transition, guys. Um, yes. Andrew Benatendi, who none of us probably thought he was going to be on this team beginning of the year. Um, now his injury is key to this team's success. Uh, we're all sitting here. How things uh, change. Yeah, it's amazing how that worked out. Um, obviously, uh, if you hadn't heard, the Red Sox have dodged the bullet. They said it wasn't anything structural. Uh, it d- didn't look like there was any ACL or anything like that. It's just really like swollen and strained uh, in terms of his knee. So, Good news there. It sounds like, according to John Farrell, that he's going to be back before the end of the season, which means hopefully end of September into the playoffs if and when this team makes the playoffs. Um, but obviously the Red Sox escaped with really good news today, guys. It's hilarious. It's like this guy's not even playing a couple months ago, and then he comes in. He plays really well for a couple weeks, and then it's like, oh, my God, Andrew Benintendi's injured. What are we ever going to do? How do we play without this guy? I don't know what to do. It's incredible how fast it changes. It, it was funny. I saw a tweet right after he got after he got hurt, and people were freaking out. And then they lost the two games after he was injured. And somebody tweeted out, "The Red Sox are zero and two since Ben and got hurt." Coincidence? I think not. And I was like, "Oh God, here we go, here we like, go." That's such a pink hat reaction. Like we had, because we had no idea how to win without him. I yeah, forgot. He's not David Ortiz. He's not Dustin Pedroia. He's not Xander Bogarts. He's not Mookie Betts. He's not Rick Porcello. He's not Stephen Wright. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Right now, I, under, I understand it. Like, he's young. He's exciting to watch. But Chris Young's pretty good, too, guys. Like, he's back. He's healthy. And he's coming back. And look, John Farrell has already said that Benetton is going to play if he's healthy. And, he's, and, he's, and he doesn't want to platoon him by any means. So, um, But Chris Young's back. He was good before the injury. Shouldn't we be more excited about Obviously, we don't want a guy to be hurt. But, like, shouldn't we be pretty excited that a guy who was doing pretty well before his injury is back and playing pretty well? Yeah, it worked really well in terms of a, in terms of timing. <laughs> Young missed all that he missed all that time, all those games, and then boom, 
an attendees heard, hey, Chris Young's back. It worked out great. And in the grand scheme of things, like at this point in their careers with Young being older, Ben and being newer, there's probably not a whole lot of difference between the two guys if you really think about it. No, but it also saved John Farrell making another tough decision that he probably would have messed up. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's funny when you say they're kind of like the same, like in young young being older and Ben Tenney being younger, how they're kind of the same in that aspect. So it, it's funny to think of it that way. And who knows if, I mean, I'm glad that Ben Tenney doesn't have something serious, especially to a knee and especially at such a young age. But it's um, it's just, it's crazy how so many people jumped on the on the bandwagon, which is fine. Like he, he was, he's did amazing for the few games he was able to play for us. But who knows, he could have just, if he continued to play, he could be on, he could be in a slump right now. And people just are so quick, which is fun. Like, I, he's, he's been so much fun to watch. Absolutely a joy to watch. But people are just so quick to to blame him almost for, like, the Red Sox losses. It's like, oh, no, it's it's not it's not his fault. It's Sean Farrell. Yeah, it's like, I was, yeah, exactly. Everything's Sean Farrell's fault. <laughs> really, I it was, really is. I was more worried when he got hurt. I was more in the thought process of, like, oh, no, he's hurt. Like, it's too bad. Like, he's just came up, like, right at the beginning of his career. What a shame it would be to get some really horrible injury that would take 10 months to heal. That was my thought, not, oh, my God, we're not going to win games anymore because Ben Attendee's out, you know? Yeah, I was yeah. like, I hope that's not an ACL because, I mean, I thought it was his ankle. I can yeah. watch that 100 times over. Like, that looked like it, he rolled his ankle. And then, but what was reassuring the whole the entire time was that he walked off the field. That was, I was like, I wasn't like, no, we're going to lose games. I'm like, okay, he walked off the field. He's going to be okay. Yeah. What I first saw too, like, obviously it looked worse than it was, but, um, my first thought was, okay, let's see how this kid bounces back from a serious injury. Maybe, maybe we have to wait till spring training to see him again, but you know what? Like, let's see how this, let's see what the kind of mental makeup this kid's got. Yeah, exactly. Anybody blaming this? any losses on the loss of him or there were a way worse team because he's hurt and stuff. I'm sorry. He did not play long enough to know that in any shape or form. No, absolutely no. stupid. D- definitely not a good um, excuse for saying anything about Andrew Benatendi and those people who don't watch the team every day. Um, one thing that I think is something that we didn't really touch on yet, but obviously you had th- those four games against Tampa and obviously just recapped them earlier in the show, but we didn't really touch on how disappointing it really was to only take two from a Tampa Bay race team where you might, you, you really had the opportunity to take at least three, if not four, um, from that team. Um, obviously not a terrible road trip still, but overall, they should have done better against the Tampa team. That just isn't good. Yeah, and this is the thing with the Red Sox. They can beat really good teams, but they lose these games to, to bad teams, and they lose them. It's either like a blowout or the the one-run losses that we saw last week. It's never like a 7-5, seven to 7-4. Seven to five, seven to four. It's like 14-2 to two or a 2-1. to one. <laughs> Yeah, it's... And this kind of stuff's so weird. It's such a fleeting feeling because coming into the last two games of the trip against Tampa Bay, the Sox were 7-2. and two. They could have gone 9-2 if they won those last two games, which is incredible. As it happened, they finished at 7-4, and four, which obviously any before the trip you would have said, oh, that'd be oh, an incredible course. road trip. Afterwards, you still say, wow, that's a really good road trip. But you have that sour taste in your mouth because you lost the last two games. So it's like it's weird how that works. Like it was still a really successful road trip and a challenging road trip in all those different cities. But the fact that you lose the last two games, you're just kind of like, uh, especially where so good, you, know? you have two games that are really close. Um, 
You won yeah. on Tuesday night, like we talked about earlier. Then you have that game where Ortiz hit his 30th home run, had that big game, and then that tough loss with the error, of course. And then you have Pomerantz pitch so well in a pitcher's duel, and you can't win that game either. And it's like these are kind of games that you're going to have to win within the next month to really to win this division because now Toronto's been lights out. Um, they won again today on Sunday, so you realistically yeah. are going to be probably two games back after this weekend. And now you got to win every close game you're in because you got a month left um, before you have to really start thinking about who you're playing in that one-game wild card. Yeah, unfortunately, all the games are important. So when you lose one-run games on drop balls and errors and one hit against a guy who hasn't gotten a hit in a month, those are the ones you want to win. And unfortunately, it's baseball losses do happen. But when you have the game in control, you really got to lock it down. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. In the next, you know, the next six weeks is going to be huge for them, and there's really no room for error, no pun intended, but there's... Oh, oh you totally much. intended that. <laughs> you intended that pun, yeah. <laughs> no, you, pun meant, you were thinking about that while we were talking. Like, you were trying yeah, to Yeah, I, I wrote it down. It, it, I wrote it down and everything, so I would remember to say it. <laughs> but, you know, these these next, next six weeks are going to be huge, and it's especially if the Blue Jays are going to keep winning then we need to step up our game and keep winning, too. Yeah, oh, for sure, and they they haven't stopped. So I think really right now, the way Baltimore has looked, and um, I, th- I think it's going to be us in Toronto fighting for that division. Um, guys, I wouldn't be shocked if the standings held path the way they are, and you're playing Baltimore in that one-game wild card. Um, Ooh, that'd be fun. And that'd be fun, and I don't know if I really want to deal with that because I hate playing Baltimore for some reason. But um, Hey, we beat them both games on the road trip. We did. You are correct there. So it would be a fun one game. Um but I just don't want to deal with that. I'd rather just win the division and be done with it. But um, either way, obviously we have a month left to really see where this goes. But one story that I wanted to make sure we got to, because we didn't last week and just made sure it was in the notes last week. Um, we didn't get to it. Um, it, was, it was a story in the Herald um, about John Henry, um, and he basically supported John Farrell. He's standing behind John Farrell. He knows they're getting criticism. He's getting criticism. Um, I obviously like an owner supporting the guy that he chooses, but like, that means it makes John Henry look kind of dumb to me because as much as I know you guys like John Farrell as a manager um, and some people do, he's had a decent amount of questionable decisions that have cost the Red Sox some games. So to me, I'm not surprised that Henry's staying behind him because he's their manager right now and he's not one to kind of trash people publicly. It's, that would be more of a Dombrowski thing if it was to happen. But I, it's just not a good look for Henry, is it? I mean, I think Henry's done other things to put him in a worse hole than standing behind John Farrell. And That's true. He bought Liverpool. So. <laughs> he bought Liverpool. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, I, I expect, I kind of expect this to, when John Farrell, yes, he's made questionable de- decisions. I could see if John Henry will come out and be like, say something on the opposite end of this. If the Red Sox were, were not in a pennant race or looking to make a playoff push. If their record was reversed, I think Henry wouldn't have made the comments he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it's, you can make the case to stand behind Farrell because of the record, because, and I know, like I said, I know there's been questionable decisions, but every manager makes these kinds of decisions. And I mean, I'll, I'll stand behind my manager. If he's, if this is going to be how it's going to be for the rest of the season, I'll stand <laughs> right behind him. No, I understand what he's saying because he said, that the criticism of, of of John Farrell was quote mainly a radio and internet thing, and I totally see what he's saying because I've said that in past shows where like the team is 
well over 500 and all the fans, all the radio, all the, you know, all the bloggers, everybody has been crapping all over them. And there's a negative aspect to the team because those people are doing those things. But like he said, and like anyone could notice, the team and the management and all that, nobody's really said anything about how he's done. They all seem to be in support. It's just all the fans and all the people who just talk constantly and people who do shows like us and everything who've constantly been crapping on every single thing he does. So it makes sense that he would say that because, on it, I mean, no, I don't like John Henry. No one really likes John Henry, but it kind of makes sense what he's saying. Yeah, it does. But like at the same time, what media story, like what media craze or like rumor or something doesn't start with us here in the media, you know, because right. think about you this. Think like, know that, yeah. Like, think about transition. Just I hate, again, I, it's a Red Sox podcast, but think about Bill Belichick and the Patriots. There's no negativity in that locker room. There's nothing gets out for the most part unless they want it to get out. Um, but who nitpicks anything about the Patriots offensive line or anything like that more than people in the radio who talk about it every week? Who talks about David Ortiz having a slump, even though he doesn't this year? But, like, who talks about Stephen Wright being terrible in weather? Who talks about Clay Buckles being a joke nine times out of ten? Like, it's the media who starts these stories, it's, always, that's what, it's right. their job. Like, that's what we're paid to do. So yep. I understand why John Ferry is saying that's where it starts, but of course that's where it started because we're all stories start. Yeah, no, you're right. I guess what he was, he was just trying to clear up the fact that the team doesn't think Farrell's bad, just all the fans and everybody talking about it does. Yeah, we'll, we'll see and come the off season what they really liked, what they really see in John Farrell. Yeah, no, oh, you're right. That'll be interesting. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think... Whether they make the playoffs or not, I think is irrelevant. I, I hate the idea of, uh, well, if they miss the playoffs, you got to fire them. I mean, I think that they should fire them, obviously, either way, but they have to kind of stick by it one way or the other. It needs to be either we like John Farrell regardless of how they finish this year, we like the way he handles the Red Sox clubhouse, yada, yada, or either way, they don't want him. It's really, they really just got to make up their mind whether the, however the season ends. Of course, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, but it's just... Because you know it's going to be that they don't make the playoffs. All right, screw them. They make the playoffs. Oh, he's the best manager ever. It's always right. how it works. Oh, you it's know so that's stupid. how it works. But it's, it's just not so the way dumb. it should work. Um, because it it's easier to fire a manager than it is a whole team. When that's I've said that all the time. It's just in sports, it's easier to fire a coach or a manager than to fire your entire team and start over. Because you can't do it. So that's kind of where this team's at. And that's where all teams are at. So it's just it's something to keep an eye on. Um, and... It's really tough, but I think they're going to work it out for sure. Um, of course, that's all your Red Sox news. Uh, of course, that is brought to you by Blue Apron. Um, we, all, The three of us use Blue Apron, and it's of course their mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the high standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Um, of course, it has a huge impact on the community as well as on the household. Um, cooking together builds strong family bonds. Research shows. Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. Those who spend a lot eating out or are high-end grocery chains can now spend under $10 per person for a healthy, delicious meal. Um, guys, we, we say it every week, but we do mean it. Like, Blue Apron's super convenient, um, and it, all the food's fresh, and it's delicious. I had a Fontina cheese, grilled, a grilled cheese yesterday, and it had, like, pickled scallions that we made inside of it and then the cheese oh my god was that good wow that's so good that sounds amazing it w- actually 
it didn't even look like it'd be that good when you were looking at it, and then you ate it, and you're like, oh, God, I couldn't get enough of it. I wanted to eat Bridget's sandwich, too, but, you know, <laughs> also, so I let, her, I let her eat her own sandwich, but, oh, God, it was man. good. That's oh, my God, funny. it was amazing. I haven't I haven't tried that, but I did see that that was in the box this week, so good to know that you really, really like that, so. Oh, my God, 100 times out of 100. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron is going to deliver seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, white-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best in food. Of course, they're bringing you variety. It's very flexible and it's easy as well. And you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping, of course, by going to blueapron.com slash redsocksbeat. Uh, you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait again. That's blueapron.com slash redsocksbeat. Uh, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Um, Jerry, you make that food sound really good. My Don't God, I? I'm sorry. I, I you're, have you're a good ha- spokesman. You like, have a very talk about that I, taste and about that that food and that mm, that salmon and oh man, you make it sound good. I'm starving. It's like almost 11 o'clock at night as we're recording this, and I'm, I could probably go eat some more food. But I always eat. <laughs> I, I eat a lot. Like I'm my friend's garbage disposal. When they're done with their food, they put it back on my plate. So um, no I wonder it sounds so good. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm always <laughs> hungry, um, and that's what Blue Apron's for. Uh, makes it easier for me to eat right. without having to worry about knowing how to actually cook because they show me how to do it. <laughs> um, but before we get out of here, obviously some kind of news around Major League Baseball as well. And I think the biggest news this week has been uh, Gary Sanchez, um, fastest uh, player to 11 homers in the history of Major League Baseball. And guys, I don't know what else you can say about Gary Sanchez than just wow. Yeah, I mean, fast to 11 home runs, and you think, like, that's a lot. That's a lot of home runs. And to be the fastest person to get there, just, just let that sink in for a second. It's too bad he's in the Yankees, isn't it? I know. I just, <laughs> like, I would, Jared, you're like, what else can we say about him? I want to be like, roids. But again, <laughs> Yankee. Your natural yeah, instinct I mean, is to see pinstripes and just say roids. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, it's also weird to see a, Yankees, a young Yankees player actually be good. Yeah, the farm system's never been good. Terrible so. farm system. Yeah. So yeah, eleven home runs in twenty three games. That's uh, that's insane. Yeah, it's it's something obviously to keep an eye on as he progresses. He's not going to keep on this pace, but it's just it's fun to see young guys who do well in the league. I know he's a Yankee, but like, who cares? They're out of it. Whatever. Um, you can root for Gary like Sanchez. Story. Yeah, you can root for Gary Sanchez this year, and like, we all love Mike Trout, regardless of how bad that team is. So it's just we root for some guys that we like, regardless of the team they're on. Um, Except for Chicago. Wait, Jared, that that bad team. Didn't you say the Angels are going to win that division? I did. That was so off. <laughs> that was so wrong. Sorry, I just, wanted to, I just wanted to bring that back up. Now they're fifty six and seventy four. Like a few more weeks. Like, just let me have that. Um, no, I was completely off on that. Look, they got they had some injuries. They had, I don't know what's going on over there, but um, they're terrible. They're they an awful terrible. team. I don't understand why because their roster is not as bad as it they are playing. So, um, yeah. But either way, I get it. I was really wrong, Jess. Thanks for pointing it out. Um, but uh, funny story. I guess it's really not because he got a DUI for it. But um, <laughs> Jeremy Jeffress did get a DUI. DUI, excuse me. Um, but he also peed on himself, which is, makes it so much funnier. I think how stupid can you be? Especially, like, you know you're going out. You know you're going out to get a few drinks. Okay, hey, don't drive. If you're gonna drive, leave your car wherever it is. And like, there, there's Ubers, there's taxis, there's your feet, and there's so much you can use. You could pee on yourself and not get a DUI. 
<laughs> you can do that. <laughs> you can be drunk in your own bed and do that. Yeah, you can just sit there and just pee in your bed and soak your bed, <laughs> soak your clothes. <laughs> and wake up and be like, oh my god, what happened? Instead of waking up in a jail cell, like, oh my god, what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's a great way to do it. It's funny, actually. I uh, Somebody at work told me that a Rangers pitcher pissed on himself, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Didn't know who it was. Looked at my fantasy team the next day. He's on my fantasy team, and it said day to day, and I was like, day to day. And I clicked on it, and it was like, Jeremy Jeffers gets a DUI. And I was like, oh, he was the one who pissed on himself. <laughs> it was awesome. I was like, I put the pieces together. I was like, oh, okay. I got that stud on my fantasy team. Yes. It's really you fun. You had a really good, really good day with in fantasy the other day for pitchers, and I guess just kind of like your karma for that. Seriously. Gotta have that bad guy, the, the guy who pees on himself. He's been good this year. He's had a lot of saves. Like, it's too bad. Come on, Jeffers, what are you doing? You know how to draft them all, don't you, Jess? Yeah. <laughs> um, one other note around the league as well, as funny as I could talk about him pissing on himself for hours here, but um, there was a trade in the league this week as well. Um, Carlos Ruiz was traded from the Phillies to the Dodgers, uh, essentially for A.J. Ellis. Um Obviously not a huge deal, but it, it, I think it's a good pickup for the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's not like a blockbuster trade today. And it kind of flew under the radar. I didn't really hear much about it until it happened. today, actually. <laughs> it, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean... I, I, think the, I think the biggest news on it was just the fact that he'd been on the Phillies his whole career and had been there for 10 years, just because like, that doesn't happen very much anymore. No. No, there's no loyalty. I know. So I think that was really the big thing about it. It's just like, whoa, a guy who's been on the same team for actually 10 years actually got traded. I'm sure so. he's pretty happy he got off that team, though. Yeah, seriously. Like, he's actually playing for a good team now. So um, I'm pretty sure he's okay with it, despite being there for 10 years. Um, he did leave a little so. sweet love note, though, after he left for the Phillies. So that, that's okay. He, he understands. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, it's time to get out of here. But before we do that, we'd, like we do every other week, we're going to make our predictions for the week. Coming up, obviously, after this weekend, you have three against Tampa Bay again, and then three on the road in Oakland. Um, Jess, what do you got going on with the uh, Rays series? Yeah, um, I think they're going to be angry after splitting that series that they probably should have swept. So coming I and mean, being at home after most likely losing two out of three of the Royals, unless something dramatically changes in the next two innings here tonight, um, I'm thinking a sweep. I'm feeling good about it. Home series. I'm going to be there on Tuesday, so they better win that game. And, uh, yeah, I just think between being at home, knowing they need wins, and having the Rays be one of the worst teams in the league, I'm feeling good, feeling good about a sweep. I don't think you've predicted a sweep in a while. I think it's been a little little bit since Yeah, you've predicted a sweep. Um, yeah, Lord, I'm your, going... jaw might, your, your jaw might drop then in a few minutes when he predicts the other series, too. <laughs> I know, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> Um, I'm taking two out of three from the Rays. I think coming home, playing the Rays at home is definitely going to help. And like you said, like I said last week when I picked that they'd split with the Rays, there's always something with a bad team that goes wrong. And it's probably going to be another one or two run loss. But as much as I want to pick a sweep, I think they're going to, they're only going to win two. Yeah, I, Lauren, I'm with you on that one. Um, I'm pretty sure if they had another fourth game on the series, they'd probably split again. <laughs> um, but there's only three, so I'm going to go with winning two out of three because they're at home. Um, this race team isn't good. Obviously, that doesn't mean anything clearly because they split with them this past week. But um, I got them winning two out of three as well. Um, and then I have them um, sweeping the A's. Um, the A's are just god-awful. Um, and 
that makes them obviously for me five and one on the week. I, I think they need a week like this um, to really kind of keep up with Toronto, if not finally get closer and maybe tie them for the lead again in the AL East. I think this is going to be a huge week playing teams who they really should dominate. Lauren, you can go next. Oh, all right. Oh, you're saving your dramatics for the very end, aren't you? <laughs> I sure am. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Oakland. So, and I know that not the best team, same, same thing kind of like the Rays, but feeling good about Oakland. So I'm going to go with a sweep for a nice five and five and one week. Um, I, I was feeling kind of good until the the sixth inning of this game that's currently on as we're recording because I was like, oh, I'm going to get another series right, and then some something terrible happened, and that's not going to happen. But I'm feeling pretty good about Oakland. Um, I don't know. I just think. I know they're there, so it's another West Coast road trip, but I've, I have a good feeling about it. Yeah, I mean, the Rays are worse than the A's, but it's pretty close. The Rays are 55 and 74. The A's are 57 and 73. They're both terrible. Negative 88 run differential for the, oh. uh, the, Ra- uh, the A's, though, which is really bad. Um, so, you know, off day on Thursday. Nice little West Coast swing against a really bad team. Coming off a sweep. That's right, people. You probably guessed it at this point, <laughs> the, uh, the dramatics of the other ones here. Uh, I'm picking another sweep. Sweep the A's as well. 6-0 and against garbage teams. They're going to do what they need to do. They're going to take care of business. They're going to get a little rest in between it, and they're going to come back. After they lose this game tonight, they're going to come back with a nice 78-58 and record. We're going to be feeling pretty good then. Got to take advantage of this week. Bad yes. teams, horrible teams. 6-0. and Count it. See just, I was almost inclined to agree with you on this um, and go 6-0, but um, something always happens against bad teams, like Lauren said, um, and I just don't think the A's are... Okay, well, let's put it this way. The A's are really bad. Um, the Rays are just bad. So I, I picked you to lose a game against the Rays because they, if they lose against the A's, might as well just pack up and go home because you're terrible. Um, I guess so, you have kind of a point because the Rays have a worse record, but they have a negative 16 run differential instead of negative 88, and they play yeah. in a tougher division. So the A's are worse. I guess by they, far. maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I Either way, we're sweeping both of them. I did want to pick a sweep, Jess, so I understand the gut feeling there, and you're clearly going with that gut. Um, so I'm hoping you're right. I really want you to be right, because a 6 and a week is what this team needs um, to really kind of awesome. jump, jump themselves back up. I know it's it's probably going to be two games after this game against here on Sunday Night Baseball. So um, Two and a half games. Is it, I thought it was only nope, a game. Nope, never mind. Nope, you're right. It was a game coming. Because their game, right. yeah. their game happened. Yeah. So it'll be two games going into this week. So obviously they need a big week here. And hopefully, obviously, Toronto does some well because we're at that point of the year, guys, where we have to start doing some scoreboard watching um, to really keep an eye on the rest of the division. So um, there you go. Jess has them going 6-0. and Lauren has them going 5-1. and And I have them going 5-1 and as well. Um, and there you go. Another week in the books here on Red Sox Beat. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Keeping you updated, of course. Don't forget about the written coverage on the site as well, led by our fearless leader on the written coverage, Jess Thomas. Uh, Lauren Campbell's part Thank of that you. as well. Um, don't forget and Lauren Campbell fills in when Jessica Thomas can't do it, so give her some credit, too. No. Vice chair. Vice in charge. <laughs> um, so, obviously, yeah. don't miss the recaps. Don't miss all the good written coverage as well to go along with this wonderful podcast. Um, that being said, this is it. We'll be back next week uh, on Cielonis Radio, without of course. <laughs> without Jess Thomas, it'll be me and Lauren Campbell fo- holding down the floor. We might find a third co-host. We'll see who's around if someone wants to join me and Lauren. Um, if not, it'll be the two of us yapping away, um, on hopefully on a 6-0 and week. And Jess, I promise, if you are right, we'll give you your credit. 
Um, I'll call Lauren, in. No, just kidding. <laughs> and Lauren will hold me to that. I know she will. So, um, for now, though, for just Thomas and Lauren Campbell, I am Jared Scali. This has been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio.